think it's so important to know that health isn't just about what you are getting out from a blood test or you know from standing up on the scale it's also about how um how we feel about ourselves like that mental health and you know that emotional health that we feel towards ourselves is really important You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Today, I am going to be talking about intuitive eating with Dr. Annika Ralph. Now, this is a really important conversation because we exist within a diet culture. Diet is something that most individuals I know personally and professionally have experienced, you know, have practiced, have gone on a diet. And as you'll hear from Dr. Ralph today, Most people, 95% of people who go on a diet will inevitably gain the weight back, which is generally the reason why individuals diet, right? To lose weight, you know, to change one's body shape. So I think this conversation is really important because we dive into this cultural appraisal of what a body should look like and what a body, a healthy body is looking at what our bodies actually are experienced as in terms of how they can support us to live a rich and meaningful life as an alternative. So Dr. Annika Ralph is a dietitian based in Sydney, and her area of expertise includes women's health and binge eating recovery. She helps busy women so that they can nourish their bodies with ease and balance better. I don't want to keep you too long, so I am keen, particularly as we're talking about busy busy individuals, to dive into the conversation with Dr. Annika now. However, I'm just going to flag, I would really love for you to listen out for her exploration around the concept of good and bad food, because this really pairs with a lot of what we talk about generally on Wisdom for Wellbeing around this idea that we dichotomize, you know, that there are good emotions or bad emotions, good thoughts or bad thoughts, good behaviors or bad behaviors. I think she really lends to this conversation that we have to evaluate things differently in terms of helpful or unhelpful, you know, compassionate or perhaps the alternatives. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Annika now. Dr. Annika, welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am really delighted to be with you here. And we're both in Australia. So this morning in both of our respective locations. Hi, Dr. Caitlin. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah. And you know, it's, I, I mean, we've, we've worked together before, so we know that we have sort of a similar way of looking at the world and looking at how we engage in different elements in our lives, but specifically, you know, your skill set as a practicing dietitian is all around supporting people with the foods that they are putting into their bodies, you know, to ensure that their bodies are operating in a way that allows them to live a vital life, a meaningful life, which is where I really, you know, focus 
focus my energies, but just to give listeners a bit more of an overview of who you are and the work you're doing, would you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm a dietitian and I'm based in Sydney, but I do have a virtual practice um, that's focused on women's health and disordered eating. So having a virtual practice means I can see clients that are not just from Sydney, but, you know, also from different parts of the world. Um, And I guess in my kind of day-to-day sort of role, I have a few. So I do a bit of teaching at two universities. I see clients one-on-one and I do some media work as a media spokesperson with Dietitians Australia. Amazing. So it's many different hats that you wear, but it's all around supporting people and particularly women um, with the foods that they're putting into their bodies. So, you know, our bodies in this culture that we exist, it, it seems like for a lot of people, there's a lot of disconnection from their bodies. And in fact, a lot of people seem to really dislike or, or dare I even use the word hate their bodies. Is this something that you're seeing a lot in your practice as well? Yes, uh, for sure. Um, I think it's it's ex- become extremely common for people, uh, you know, I guess it's this is more for women in general, but it's very common that, you know, um, that more and more people are, you know, sort of projecting that body hate um, just because I think, I think there's a couple of reasons, but I think one of them would definitely have to be, you know, social media, like there's been, uh, you know, that huge growth where we are seeing lots of people um, on social media who uh, have got, you know, um, I guess certain filters and, you know, sometimes they also do some, uh, I guess, editing to the photos um there you know there's certain angles lighting all of that jazz and I think all that can really make people feel insecure about their bodies so I feel like um you know now I feel like we as a society probably feel more insecure about our bodies and you know as you said I guess with the body hate too I think a lot of people do feel strongly uh, perhaps more than ever yeah, yeah, that that fits with what I see in my practice where a lot of people really struggle with their bodies and there's a lot of psychological distress, you know, symptoms of anxiety and depression that are in a way intertwined with their experience of being in their body. And more and more, I guess we're seeing the the stats around disordered eating increasing. And I know that that's something that you support people with because when someone is struggling with what they put in their bodies, their relationship to their cues around their body and what they need to eat or what diet they should be on. All of these things, I think get really, really messy. So with diets, for instance, which is something that so many clients um, I work with, you know, have experienced, experimented with, um, and a lot of people in my social circle generally, do, do diets work? Like, should we be on a diet? Is there a specific diet we should be on? What, what are the thoughts, you know, from a dietitian's perspective there? Yeah, I feel like that's a really good question. Like, should we be on a diet? Um, I feel like, you know, of course we need to sort of, uh, have that, understanding where we know um, and we have that knowledge how to kind of you know fuel our bodies in the right way so I feel like you know yes I guess we should be looking at making 
lifestyle modification, especially, you know, if I guess uh, there's a certain medical condition um, that, you know, someone's looking to treat, uh, you know, could be maybe a chronic disease or it may be, you know, something related to women's health. Um, but I think in terms of going on a restrictive diet, I feel like that's a different story because it's, it's really that restrictive dieting that can, you know, um, I guess there's that gray line between, you know, dieting, you know, slash restrictive dieting that a lot of people do and then you know disordered eating can very much sort of go into that disordered eating um arena so um so I think we really need to be careful about the way we think about food or you know um I guess how we are seeing food because a lot of people you know see foods as you know good and bad and you know they've got that mindset around uh, you know certain foods have to be you know I must only eat clean you know clean again in air quotes and good and bad in air quotes as well so I think it's really important about the way about the language we use um when we are you know uh talking about food it's really interesting that you say, you know, the good and the bad, because this is something that I think we struggle with in our language and around our emotional experience as well, or life experiences, right? Like, you know, often when we have a difficult emotion, we might say, oh, that's a bad emotion, or that's a bad feeling, or that's a bad thought. And sometimes that can be really challenging language because it dichotomizes, like you're saying, happens with food rather than necessarily looking at whether this is helpful or unhelpful in terms of supporting us to live a life that is meaningful and rich for us. And I wonder if we then could look at food the same way, you know, pizza in the context of going out with family and friends and like nourishing ourselves. I wonder if that's actually helpful in terms of our values and what we might prioritize in our lives yeah you're so right Caitlin about what you said about you know thinking about the values that are important to you I think that's um that's really important um and the other part thing that I was going to answer was the second part to your question which is you know um the question that I guess a lot of people want to know or you know a lot of people hope that you know it works is you know do diets actually work is there sort of you know is there an issue that there is with, you know, diets. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, there's so many things that are wrong with dieting or, you know, diet culture, but I guess the biggest one would be that diets don't work for most people. And 95% of people will gain their weight back within, you know, a short amount of time. So maybe if it's not, you know, six months or a year, it definitely happens by about, you know, four to five years. So most people will, um, gain their weight, which doesn't help because then that sends them into doing another diet and, you know, another diet. So they've got this, you know, weight cycling or yo-yo dieting where they're spending most of their life dieting. And there's also, you know, uh, that issue around, you know, weight determining their self-respect and self-worth. A lot of people think that, okay, once I lose weight, I can be happy. Um, but of course, if they're gaining the weight, then that's not really helping. And, you know, that sort of sends them feeling really, you know, down and it's really damaging, I think, to, you know, to a person's sense of, self-worth um and their self-respect so uh, i feel like there's so many um different issues with with diets um yeah so yeah i think these are just a few of them there's a couple of points i mean that's such an important um contextual lens for us to hold too that you know you can put all of this effort into dieting and doing everything right but that within a year 
three, four, five years in 95% of the, um, cases and in 95% of us who go into these diets, that way it's going to be gained back and that that affects our sense of self. Like that's a really important lens to hold as well as the fact that then, yeah, most of our lives are spent dieting, which may draw us away from doing other activities that are really meaningful or holding off on activities. You know, I know a lot of people who will not engage in certain activities until they've lost a certain amount of weight, which means that lives are on hold until we reach this culturally idealized um, body state that may not necessarily be our body state. So you made an important point that I think I'd like to just draw listeners' attention back to for a moment, that if there is a health condition, a diet may be recommended, but that is not the broadly the case for everyone that there, you know, if you um, are experiencing, maybe you could speak more to this diabetes or heart disease or something, there might be a specific diet that is recommended to support you with the health condition. But the vast majority of us who might be dieting because um, we saw a billboard that looked a certain way, or we've been told that we should in air quotes, look a certain way that that's not actually best practice in terms of, um, what we're putting into our bodies and may not necessarily be what our body needs that that might not actually be a marker of health. Am I getting that right in terms of a marker of health? Like it's not necessarily healthy to be a size six, like the, um, you know, the, the female on Instagram that's been edited or Photoshopped or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, a lot of the times, Oh, uh, most of the time we, we associate the way we look with our health. So, you know, we often think, you know, just, you know, if someone is healthy, um, you know, for someone, in order for someone to be healthy, they must be uh, skinny. Um, but the thing is, you know, health isn't as simple as, you know, skinny equals good and, you know, fat equals fat. There is so much more to health. Um, there can be, you know, so many uh, uh, skinny people I, um, that are out there who may look very skinny. Um, they might look, you know, as you were saying, like, um maybe very Instagrammable or, you know, how sort of how we, sh you know, should in air quotes, you know, should be looking, but they can still have, you know, um, issues with, with their cholesterol or, you know, other biomarkers, um, the biomarkers we can't really see without, you know, doing, um, you know, a blood test or different types of tests. So I think it's really important to know that weight is just one of the, um, one of the ways to look at health. There is so much more to, you know, health um, than just weight. And um, I really like the point that you brought up about, you know, about how, you know, we are putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to look a certain way. And it's, it's, you know, it's not really, it's not exactly realistic, because I guess the, the body types that we see on media and social media, they, you know, they, we see a certain type of body type, but that's not really representative of the world's body types. It's a very small percentage. So we, we are seeing this, you know, being dominated on, you know, on our media and social media. So we, you know, are often, you know, most people are thinking, okay, that's how I should be looking because that's what I'm seeing on media and social media. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? In some ways, because it, it's what we're seeing. And I mean, we're sitting here, the two of us just to acknowledge for anyone who, um, who might be aware of, of us, like we are sitting here both in smaller frames. So I think we kind of need to like call that on and hold it um, as well, that there's like all of this broadcasting around what health is. But I wonder if 
as you kind of highlighted that health can be a real, like a broad lens. It's not just being skinny. And I wonder if we kind of bring in the lens around like health emotionally and psychologically and spiritually, that there are these other markers of health in our lives. In addition, you highlighted like blood markers around cholesterol and things that we don't necessarily see when we see someone's shape, but that there are these amazing markers in our lives in terms of how we connect with others and we do activities that are meaningful. And if we're holding off doing those activities because we're trying to fit our body into a specific frame that may not be our frame, then we're holding off on our lives. And as you mentioned, like there could be this yo-yoing cycle that starts as a result of trying to um, diet and gaining the weight back and starting that again and again and again. And then suddenly we're missing out on our lives it seems really sad when we look at health as like our life (laughs) yeah I cannot agree with that more and I've seen a lot of clients um you know I who are struggling with as you said you know with holding holding back on their life just because you know they haven't gotten to a certain um you know maybe number or you know size but I guess they haven't met their expectations yet so they are sort of holding back on things and um, that can be really detrimental for someone's you know mental and emotional well-being uh and you know I was just sort of referring to the more of the clinical um I guess biomarkers of health um Um, But I think it's so important to know that, you know, health isn't just about, you know, what you are getting out from a blood test or, you know, from, uh, from being standing up on the scale. It's also about, you know, how, um, how we feel about ourselves, like that mental health um, and, you know, that emotional sort of, I guess, um, health that we, you know, feel towards ourselves is really important. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, I think it's definitely something we don't really pay enough attention to. And also with people who do, uh, you know, who do go on diets, um, research has shown that they're six times more likely to develop um, an eating disorder. So these are people who are just dieting moderately. So not sort of uh, severely, just sort of, you know, here and there. Um, and those who are severe dieters will have an 18 fold risk of developing an eating disorder. So that's really huge. Um, and it just goes to show that, you know, uh, the, the, the harm that comes with dieting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and eating disorders are so impactful in terms of quality of life and also life outcomes for some eating disorders. They're, they're very risky, you know, in terms of our, our mortality rate. So talk to us about this diet culture. Like what is diet culture? Because we're clearly existing in one. Maybe you can give language or words to the experience that we're having and what we're seeing. Yeah. So with diet culture, it's, it's a really, I think, tricky one to sort of, um, defined because I think a lot of people have these uh, beliefs that are you know very well set in concrete around you know dieting and a lot of people see it to be a positive sort of um, you know um, action that they're doing you know towards their health so um, with defining diet culture I would say that it just simply refers to a set of values that uh, you know that uh, sort of prioritizes thinness, appearance, and shape above well, you know, above your health and well-being. So um, it basically conditions a mindset that there's a right, 
you know, right in air quotes and wrong in air quotes way to eat. And um, so it's focused on, you know, practicing these beliefs that, you know, there's a good food, you know, air quotes, bad food, um, again, in air quotes. Um, and it sees thinness as, you know, kind of as the epitome of health and weight is, you know, being the only factor that determines our self-respect and self-worth. And food is sort of just seen as, you know, calories, macros, nutrients. So it's just seen um, as a very basic, you know, uh, thing um, that, you know, we are eating only for those reasons, uh, you know, for calories, um, which is very much of a reductionist approach because, you know, as you were saying, you know, food is... uh, uh, you know, food is so important and it's part of health and life in a much bigger sense. Um, as you were giving that pizza example, like it can provide us with joy and social connections and so much more. Thank you for highlighting that. And and the good and bad, the challenges around that. And, and you know, you've said a few times the food, you know, you think referenced like clean in air quotes food before. And, um, you know, the food that we might see on social media that, um, uh, that's like a trendy health food and things. So, so I'm getting the sense that's not real objectively in terms of nourishing our body better than other food. Am I getting that right? Yeah, so I think a lot of people have a have this approach that they have to eat, you know, clean. So um, clean eating just simply means that, you know, uh, reducing or restricting, um, actually, it's more of a restriction, um, restriction of, you know, any foods that, you know, that they consider to be bad. So it might be usually it's the sugary foods that are often seen as the, you know, um, I guess the villain. So sh- all sugary foods are often sort of, you know, restricted. Um, there's a lot of people go to the extremes of cutting out food groups. So it can be things like carbs, uh, like carbs are cut out in the keto diet, dairy, uh, you know, some people choose to cut out dairy. So um, a lot of the times these diets can be very restrictive. And when, you know, there's a lot of restrictions and rules set around diet, uh, you know, a certain diet, um, a person can only go for so long with following that kind of diet. And, uh, you know, they might last a couple of weeks or, you know, um, maybe a couple of months if they're really sort of trying hard. But um, no one, you know, um, would be able to sort of, you know, have that sort of restriction for you know like a period you know long period of time so it eventually you know does sort of come to a point where they might end up having you know having a cheat meal or you know a cheat day and all of those things and then um, for a lot of people that can sort of set them you know uh, set them off and you know they end up going on you know they might sort of end up binge eating and things like that um, overeating just because they've been restricted from a certain food for so long. Yeah. Okay. So it sets the cycle of, um, binging restriction, binging restriction. And, and there's an alternative to that, isn't there? So if we're listening to our in like internal cues for eating, talk me how, how we would reconnect with that. If we've been, you know, dieting for a number of years, how would we reconnect to internal cues around our needs and what we might call intuitive eating? Yeah, sure. So with intuitive eating, um, it is a little bit hard to sort of, you know, um, go into like a summary, but I'm going to try my best because um, with intuitive eating, I know a lot of people are sort of trying this um, these days, but they sort of don't look at intuitive eating as a whole. They might just take one or two principles. Um, So I feel like sometimes, um, you know, intuitive eating does kind of, um, 
get um, get misconstrued. Um, so, so yeah, so I think just a lot of people just see it as a very simple kind of approach where you're eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full, but there's just, you know, a very simple way to look at intuitive eating and it's not sort of, you know, uh, correct. So overall, you know, there are 10 principles. So um, we really need to sort of be looking at them as a whole. And um, yeah, with those uh, principles, um, a lot of them focus around, you know, eating, like honoring your hunger. So eating when you're full, like eating when you're hungry, and then kind of stopping when you're full, which is, you know, as I said, very simply put, but it's also about learning to cope with your emotions and, um, and, you know, providing yourself with that kindness and respecting your body and you know um, moving your body in a way that feels right to you and honoring your health so there is so much more to just eating um in you know in the uh in i guess in when we're looking at the principles of intuitive eating Okay. Thank you for highlighting that. And that's a real um, flag for us who might see, you know, intuitive eating showing up um, in different arenas that we might go, okay, there's actually a lot more to this practice, 10 pillars and that listening to our body cues, you know, noticing when we're hungry and full, that this is really just the tip of the iceberg, that there's so much more that goes into that. But I know that's something you can teach. So listeners, um, if you are kind of going, oh, this is something that I'd like to reconnect with, obviously you can reach out to doctor. Annika for more, but just to kind of then tune into this, the emotional states is a really interesting area. And I think an area that um, we see a lot of overlap in our work because being able to, in my work, you know, notice name and tame essentially by noticing and naming our emotional states is vital, you know, in terms of making space for this experience of being human. And it sounds like there's a lot of overlap then in terms of our eating, right? Like noticing our emotional state is really a skill set that I think maybe our culture has done us a disservice in and possibly through the dieting culture. But I would say, you know, maybe there's some overlap with a culture whereby we're told, oh no, you're fine. Like, don't worry about it, get on with it. And we're almost taught to disconnect from these uh, emotions, which are feelings, body states that we have. So I wonder if there's, you know, philosophically some sort of a, a lens to our, our culture generally here that has us disconnecting from our bodies and our, our felt states. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Caitlin, because, um, you know, with that disconnection that we feel from our bodies, um, a lot of it has to do with diet culture and, you know, going on diets, because when people are going on diets, you know, they're following something that's coming from an external source. Uh, so, you know, it could be calorie counting, it could be a set meal plan, whatever it is, um, it is disconnecting them from their you know, their body's internal cues. So they're not going to be paying attention to, you know, how they're feeling, if they're feeling hungry, if they're feeling full, or if they're feeling satisfied, uh, you know, from a meal. So it's more to do with, you know, following certain rules um, that, you know, they may have set for themselves with that diet. So I feel like that's another sort of long-term damage that diets have done um, to, you know, people that, you know, there is that disconnection and that does stay 
they, um, you know, stay um, on. Um, of course, it is possible to kind of, you know, uh, reconnect with our bodies. Um, we It's something we originally had, you know, when we were younger. Uh, so it's definitely possible to, uh, to establish that connection again. It just takes a little bit of work. And as you said, you know, it is really important to notice some of the some of our body's internal cues. So just looking, uh, you know, um, at how we are feeling and pay, paying close attention to our, you know, our physical states and emotional states and looking to see, you know, is that sort of physical hunger, emotional hunger, and then just sort of working out, um, you know, where to go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's, I think a really important lens in terms of trying to tune in and develop that connection again. And also listeners be gentle with yourself because like there can be so many reasons, you know, certainly growing up and being um, told to diet from an early age, whether directly or indirectly, but also we might tune up from our bodies due to histories of trauma or other difficult things that we've experienced in our lives that are in no way our fault. The, the challenge is that this is where we're sitting now with this body. Body, this experience and figuring out how we kind of move forward with that. While it's not our fault that these things have happened, we're at this place where we can go, okay, well, what do I need to do to um, empower myself to live the best life I can from this moment in time? And that might mean seeking psychological support around trauma, seeking dietitian support around reconnecting with our body and cues and figuring out how we nourish ourselves and how we exist in this non- well, in this diet culture, how do we, um, Dr. Annika kind of move towards a non-diet approach? There's three A's that can help us start to tune out diet culture, because I think we actively need to tune it out. Don't we? We certainly do Dr. Caitlin. So with, I think with diet culture, we know or, um, that there is not going to be, you know, any place in the world we can, you know, where we can just go to sort of hide from it just because it is, you know, sort of everywhere unless, you know, maybe someone chose to kind of live on an island on their own, but it's certainly very much there in, you know, in our society. So um, I think at the end of the day, we need to kind of learn to live with diet culture and, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of people have past trauma, which really, you know, um, has a he like heavy sort of impact on their, you know, current day to day life. I've, I've seen uh, lots of clients who carry on that past trauma that they've, you know, um, had from, you know, their teenage years, and it's sort of been carried on for, you know, many years or even decades. So I think it's really important to sort of work out, you know, okay, you know, that sort of was in my past, but what can I do from this, you know, this moment forward, um, what can I do in the present? Um, and this is where the three A's can really sort of come in handy to process, you know, maybe, you know, process diet culture or even to start to tune out from diet culture and just quietening that noise that, you know, we get on our social media from people, uh, you know, our circle, our family, friends. And the first one would be um, the change of, you know, sort of it's working on um, building that awareness. So there's three steps. So the first one is awareness. So this is where uh, I guess we're sort of looking at educating ourselves um, and really giving ourselves the gift of knowledge. So, uh, you know, what, trying to work out uh, why the 
I guess the actions we took in the past didn't work for us. Um, just, you know, seeking that explanation or just seeking um, some kind of, you know, support around, you know, what, what it is, why didn't something work? Because a lot of people are still wondering, you know, um, why, you know, when they dieted like 10, 20 years ago, why didn't it work? So um, I think it's really important to kind of seek some answers because it does help. It does provide us with some comfort in present day. So, um, you know, giving ourselves, uh, uh, you know, the knowledge and um, really providing ourselves with, you know, that self sort of learning. And the next step would be acceptance. And this is where you are sort of looking to uh, you know, acknowledge or accept any mistakes. Um, so anything that, you know, um, they have made in the past, any mistakes, just knowing that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't your fault. Um, it was simply because, you know, you didn't know any better. So just sort of, uh, you know, coming to that place of acceptance. And then the last one would be taking action. So that's sort of the third A um, um, being action. So writing down how you might be able to do things differently now and how can you offer kindness to your body and still create healthy habits of showing up for yourself. So um, yeah, that's sort of more, you know, coming back to present day and working out some strategies to go from here, go from, you know, here. I love that kindness to yourself, you know, that the kindness to ourselves can mean healthy habits, that this doesn't mean that we're sitting around going, oh, well, there's no like clean food or good food. So I'm gonna, you know, sit around and um, eat potato chips hundred percent of the time. It's like, well, what's kind to my body. And sometimes it might mean having the potato chips and other times it might mean making a salad or having a juice that it's about tuning in and, and offering yourself nourishment by the sound. Yeah, I think it's so important to look at food as, you know, um, as something that nourishes us and, you know, um, the benefits that we can have, like from foods in terms of, you know, nutrients and also how it can make us feel good about ourselves. Um, so I think it's just important to look at, you know, uh, making sure that you are getting adequate nourishment from food and, you know, it's a balanced diet. So, um, you know, that person is not going to be having any deficiencies and, you know, they're sort of just feeling um, you know, well mentally and not feeling like they're starved or, you know, they're not sort of, you know, deprived from any foods that they would really want to eat. So they have the energy to show up in their lives and ensure that their life is rich and meaningful and that they're creating the legacy they choose to. So just as like a bit of a summary, there is no such thing as like a good body shape that this, this skinny, um, ideal, or, you know, what is shifting to, um, <laughs> you know, the Kim Kardashian shapes that these are not like good or necessarily healthy body shapes. We all have body shapes that we come into the world with and, dieting does not make us a better person in terms of being more healthy, that a lot of these diets we're leaning to can be really restrictive in nature and may actually lead us to gain back the weight that we may potentially lose through the diet within a fairly prompt time frame, putting us into this yo-yo dieting circle, which impacts our sense of self and may lead to us dieting for years of our lives, taking us away from other opportunities or holding us back from the life that might be rich and meaningful for us, depending on our values. Um, so we really need to 
you know, hold to and actively stand in an anti-diet approach because we are unfortunately surrounded by this dieting culture. Is that kind of, you know, a, a summary, you know, very loose summary of, of what we're kind of sitting with here? Yeah, that was so well put, Caitlin. Yeah, definitely. That was a really um, great summary. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, what you were saying before, it's coming back to kindness. It's coming back to having, uh, you know, having that sort of body gratitude or, you know, um, looking at, you know, practicing self-care or, you know, doing things that feels right for us. Because, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, feeling, uh, you know, I guess having that, uh, positive relationship with ourselves it's really important that we come from you know a place of respect um, rather than you know um, hate or shame you know those sort of negative um, connotations and you know a lot of people talk about you know body you know a body love but I think it's really hard uh, for us to kind of be reaching that so I think we just need to sort of work on just being kind to ourselves um, and um, you know just looking to kind of start with practicing body neutrality um, because you know I think loving your body is 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 very hard when you know most people are going through that process you know where they're hating their bodies. Thank you for highlighting that. <laughs> That's something that comes up in my practice a lot too, you know, that, um, that maybe we can look at our bodies as simply neutral. They're these vessels that allow us to do other things that are meaningful in our lives that um, sometimes when we assume that we need to love our body and then that's not the emotion we're experiencing we can feel more like we're failing or doing something else wrong that if we can you know practice neutrality for this body this vessel that carries us it might make it easier to move forward with meaning is there anything that you might offer listeners as a quick tip um, or just like a, a springboard to start their journey as we wrap up here today would it be to kind of lean into those three um, A's of, you know, the anti-diet, anti-diet, non-diet approach, whatever we want to call it, or, you know, is there, there's something else that, that listeners might kind of, you know, take away from this conversation today? Yeah, I think the three A's, um, would definitely be one of them. And also I think just giving yourself the permission to kind of eat the foods that, you know, you like and, you know, working towards, you know, having that, I guess, body awareness or, you know, working towards body kindness, practicing body neutrality, sort of taking a first step. Um, yeah, I think those would be the sort of the key points. Neutrality, kindness, respect, as you said earlier. Dr. Annika, how can listeners connect with you further? You know, how can they follow up more, particularly if they're going, oh, intuitive eating sounds really interesting. And what are these 10 pillars? Where can they connect with you? So I have um, an Instagram that's called Appetite by Annika. So um, uh, uh, if anyone has any questions, I would love to answer them for you. Uh, my website's just um, Annika and then my surname, ruf.com. And I um, I know it can be very daunting for, uh, you know, for people to kind of get started um, when they have no idea, you know, how to sort of go forward and, you know, recover from the trauma and, you know, all of that sort of uh, past 
that they have had. Uh, so I think it's really important to take a small step. So this is why I've created um, a, a self-paced course where um, it's, uh, you know, it's an easy way to kind of learn um, without, you know, when you don't, you're not really sure how committed you want to be. So um, the course is called Busy Women Balance and I've, dis uh, I've designed this course with the needs of busy women in mind. So the videos are quite short um, and it's just, yeah, most of its video is in some worksheets. So I feel like that's a great place to start if someone's not ready to sort of uh, work one-on-one -on -one, um, this is sort of uh, I guess a simpler way to kind of learn um, especially with that awareness part the first part that I was mentioning um, you know just learning um, why things haven't worked for them in the past and how they could do things differently Amazing. Thank you very much for sharing all of that. And listeners, of course, you know, dive in in a way that feels appropriate for you and head to um, Appetite by Annika and AnnikaRolf.com to, to get more information around her offerings and connect to the course there. And I'm sure if listeners can't find the information about the course, they can just send you a DM and, um, and you can point them in the right direction. Hey. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions about the course or just in general. Um, yeah, so feel free to shoot me a DM or send me an Amazing. email. Thank you so much for your time and listeners. I'll put all of the links in the show notes as well. So if you're driving and haven't got to write it all down, it will all be in the show notes. Dr. Annika, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom today. I think this is a really important conversation because given that we are existing in diet culture, you know, it permeates everywhere. And I've experienced it myself, you know, to acknowledge the experiences that I've had in the past that have been really difficult and haven't necessarily led me to, um, to a vital life or my, you know, healthiest version of myself in the sense of health being multifaceted and multi domains. So thank you for sharing with us all. I think this was a really important conversation. Thank you, Dr. Caitlin, for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Annika Ralph as much as I did. I think the concept of eating and treating our bodies with respect is incredibly empowering. We might not always like our bodies. We might not always feel good in our bodies, you know, air quotes again, but we can treat our bodies with kindness and with respect, allowing them to serve us as we move forward to create a vital life, a meaningful life. And in addition to intuitive eating, which she's highlighted is a much bigger concept, I think this really pairs with a lot of what we're talking about on Wisdom for Wellbeing. How do we cultivate interoceptive awareness, this awareness of our internal states? How do we experience and move in our bodies, which pairs with a lot of the work around embodied psychology, yoga, mindful movement practices that we know I am so passionate about. So I hope that this conversation supports you you in, you know, your relationship with food and with yourself and might add another lens to, you know, your yoga practice, your embodied wisdom practices, as well as the efforts and steps that you are making towards cultivating wisdom and meaning in your life. And what is wisdom, but knowledge as well as experience. So may we experience, you know, a wide range of nutritious, delicious foods for our bodies, for our souls. I'll look forward to connecting with you next week. Bye for now.
Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.